You're listening to the Nashville Girl Geek Dinner podcast, where we discuss the real stories of women who seek to learn, be inspired, and find courage to have a voice as a contributing member of our development community. We are absolutely thrilled to have not just one, but two amazing women of Center Source. Anne Howard, managing partner, and Tomiko, otherwise known as Tomi, senior strategic consultant, joining us in the studio. Our conversation with Anne and Tomi cover their personal paths to the positions they have today, the development of great team communication, the evolution of the Nashville technology community, which has been crazy over the last few years. We also get into discussing their active contribution to the community and their company's journey to a new kind of organizational structure. For more stories like this, visit us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash GGD Nashville. We are on Twitter and Instagram at GGD Nashville, so make sure to follow us. So I guess kind of first off, you know, both of you have been working now in technology for quite some time. Can you maybe individually just describe a little bit about your journey getting into technology and kind of how you got where you are? Sure. So my dad was a developer, so I was raised by, my dad went to computer science school like in the 80s, you know, and so we had those old machines and when I would have different math problems, he would say, okay, we can write a, you know, we can solve this this way. So I was raised with technology and then didn't really see myself in it, just never. And so when I went to school, I studied chemistry and then got out and went to work in public radio for you know, (laughs) randomly, and um, ended up there just managing all their tech. So I ended up, like, building what now I realize was a pretty significant product. I mean, we started processing payments. We started doing live streaming and audio on demand and blogging and stuff. And You built all of that? Yeah, because I didn't know. They were like, oh, you're young. You can, you know, (laughs) you can do this. Yeah. You know, and so um, we... We, I did that and then ended up going to business school because I was in not-for-profits and I thought, well, this is, you know, we have a management problem. I'm going to go learn what the dark side knows and then I'm going to, like, come back to not-for-profits and, like, continue to change the world, like, doing this. And um, went to business school and sort of drank the Kool-Aid of entrepreneurship. That's where I was like, okay, really, this is how we change the world as we start businesses and we support our families with them and we allow people to have the lives they want. And I just really got into it. So that is when I went to work for a little small consultancy and did all the tech consulting there because I worked with two guys with white hair that were operations okay. geniuses and finance geniuses but didn't really know any about that technology. So I got to do consulting related to that there um, and then ended up saying, I'm going to start my own business. And so I moved to Nashville with my husband, who is an interface designer and front-end developer, and we started our own company here about six years ago now. Did that for a couple of years, had a baby, you know, decided wanted to go to work for somebody else and that's how I found Center Source and I've been there ever I've been ever since four years now that's great so yeah that's a very interesting story I didn't know all of that about you that might have been a little long but (laughs) no not long at all it's you so what about you Tomiko Uh, Well, I had a really clear path to technology through being raised in a restaurant and going to college for theater. (laughs) So it was just a really obvious extension Mm -hmm. to step into technology. Um, So I grew up in a restaurant in McMinnville, Oregon, my family's restaurant out there. You know I'm from Vancouver, Washington, right? I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. And I went to school in Bloomfield (gasps) for a second. Are you serious? No joke. 
Do you, do you know of Nick's Italian Cafe in McMinnville, Oregon? Yes, I do. That's my family's restaurant. What? Yes, girl. Wow. Oh, yes. We just had a moment right <laughs> here amazing. on Girl Geek Dinner. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Uh, so I grew up in the food industry and was, you know, would waitress in college and worked in kitchens and that kind of thing and studied theater and then graduated with a BFA and was like, this is going to take me places. Right. Um, and continued to work in the food industry for the next like 10 years, as well as doing a bunch of other, uh, things and really decided that I didn't want to stand behind a counter and wear an apron for the rest of my life. And there was a company in New York City called Fresh Direct, which is one of the nation's largest online grocery uh, providers. And I had a couple friends who worked there. So I sort of bamboozled my way into the building, into an interview, and just talked to them until they hired me. And I was like, you need my food knowledge. You really, really do. And they believed me. And so they hired me, and they taught me how to use their proprietary content management system. And I was there for about five years. And during that time, I was graduated to bigger and bigger projects and having more and more ownership over, you know, various products that we, and this is both physical and digital products within the company. Um, and I basically took that experience and parlayed it into yet another food and tech position at a online organic food magazine called handpicknation.com and uh, moved to Nashville, relocated to Nashville while working for Handpicked. Um, and then we very amicably parted ways and I started kind of networking around Nashville and was doing some freelance content work here and there and showed up at a center source mixer and yet again bamboozled my way into a couple conversations. <laughs> That's perfect. And just was sort of, you know, doggedly pursued a position at, at center source. And uh, yeah, I've been there for just now three years. That's awesome. Yeah. You're very aggressive. I'm very aggressive. <laughs> this is so true. Such a great lesson, though, for sure. So um, I know one of the things that um, Rainy and I've talked about, actually maybe since the last time we had all gotten together, was just kind of the shift in business model in terms of how Center Source is, is running. And I'm curious if you guys can talk just a little bit maybe about the strategy behind that, maybe what have been some of the positive impacts, perhaps maybe some of the, some of the things you didn't expect were going to happen that you've had to kind of work through. Yeah, so we started to nerd out about organizational design and the way that like people come together to get work done. And, you know, best practices in product development are really autonomous teams, like small, autonomous, multidisciplinary teams that can make decisions equally. That results in better product, you know. That's what kind of is known in the industry. And so we thought the opportunity presented ourselves to organize our whole company that way. And so we have um, been doing kind of a flat organizational structure for about, it's been, it was a year, a year last week. Yeah. Wow. That we've been running the company that way. And there have been just lesson after lesson. <laughs> and it's been like, we all agree. I think what we would say about it is it's hard. But it's hard in a way that it's pain with a purpose. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, it's the difference between, you know, a lot of work-related pain a lot of times seems to result from, okay, my boss is just being a jerk and yeah. there's nothing, you know, yeah. there's just nothing to be You don't understand from the purpose of the pain. Right. <laughs> there's no context for you. And there's no win yeah. for, from, you know, yeah. that situation. But I think what we realize now is, like, if we can learn how to articulate things and 
you know, embrace conflict and some of these things that on the other side of that pain are like these great victories, Mm -hmm. that feeling when you of accomplishment, you know, like that's really what's on the other side. And that's been one of the more amazing things that I didn't see that come in. I don't know if you I did not. I mean, the thing that I keep thinking about when we when I reflect on the flat organization of Center Source is that it's very much it's flat. It's a landscape you see the context for everything because it's all laid out. And so when a tension arises and something comes up that needs to be worked on, there's maybe one or two questions you need to ask just to acquaint yourself a little bit more. But it's not like, okay, I'll go do that thing now. I don't understand why you're asking me to. It's this, you know, it's not this directive that's just handed down from on high. It's you understand because everyone has been collectively working on the business together. And so when somebody raises their hand and says, you know, I think this can be revised or I'm seeing an opportunity to improve something, everybody gets it. And so it's an, the thing that I love about it is that it has opened up the opportunity for, I mean, the silos are busted, right? There's People are not just a developer. And so you're able to tackle these business problems with, you know, with a developer and with a designer and because we're all invested in the company and we all understand the company. And so it's a really great way to open up the table and uh, bring every single problem to that table. It's great. Yeah, it turns out developers are really good at solving business problems. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, yeah, they and, and to me, like you're missing so much if you don't close the loop. I mean, here's a person who has painstakingly automated your process line by line by line of code. They understand your process better or differently than you do in some yeah. ways. And if you don't get that, close that feedback loop, you're missing out on major business impact. So and I would I have for to, us and our clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's interesting because it makes me think a little bit about communication, you know, that I, I would suspect that having to maybe relearn how you communicate across the organization has been a big focus. Has that been challenging? And how, how have you learned to do this effectively? Definitely challenging. Yeah. Um, I will say that the constant truth for all of us is that we all really, really love the people that we work with. It's not like we sit there and be like, oh, we're all family. But there's a lot of trust and there's a lot, a lot of respect in, you know, inside our four walls, which is great. Um, We have definitely, you know, we reach out to people that we respect as, you know, mentors in that respect. We worked with Jen Wei as far as how do you handle communication internally and how do you handle communication with your clients? And she really, I mean, she blew my mind on a couple really important points about communication. What were some of those points that she shared with you? So the one that I I am constantly returning to is, do I want to be right or do I want something to get done? Mm, That's pretty powerful. (laughs) So because for a long time, I think I operated from this need for justice and it actually just arrested me in a lot of ways. And so it was really more about like, you know what? This isn't a personal thing. This is a business thing. This is, we just need to get this thing done and it's got to be done by tomorrow. So I'm just going to let go of my ego and I'm just going to make something happen. And that was really powerful. And the other thing that she said that really struck home was you guys respect each other, but you're not family. So don't sit there and, you know, don't want run, run around saying, oh, we're family, we're family, because that's not true. You guys work together. And so keep this a very respectful but professional relationship. Well, and we still have, like, mad fun with each other yeah. and laugh hysterically. Well, and that's what I think I've taken away is that the relationship of running a business with someone, it's not friendship. 
But it's not less than friendship. <laughs> it's not less than it's, friendship. It's, it's kind of intimate. Mm-hmm. It's it's like your money is tied up with each other, and the stuff they do affects your you're with them in a house every day. Right. It's an intimate relationship, and being in business with people is. Yeah. It's a different kind of relationship. Yeah. And um, it's been really, I love it. It's been really, really cool to be in business with these great people who all bring such great things. And I think, and, and I think the thing that uh, is true for all of us is it is hard, but we love working with each other so much that that makes it worth it. I think 90% of the time, it's just like, I wouldn't want to go work anywhere else with any other group of people in town. This is such a unique, special powerful thing that we're doing together it's awesome we need the trust the foundation is of our business is our trust and our willingness to call each other on our bs yeah because we don't have a manager who is telling us what to do we have to call each other Mm -hmm. it's on peer-to-peer to to be able to say okay that's not what that's doing us harm or Mm -hmm. setting us backward or Mm -hmm. or you 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 lost my trust with that action and here's what i need you to do to get it back Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and so it's it's intense, but it's also like better than having a manager who doesn't always have all the answers, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I think one of the things, the best things we did was work with Jen because Jen understands self-management in a way that I think very few people do. Her whole thing is like people directing their own career. And so she's able to help us individually direct our own careers while while like doing good things for the organism. Mm -hmm. So one of the best things that we ever did was have her come in and do communication training for the whole team. So she gave us this language, the little gen code that we, we use in our day-to-day communication to say like, Oh, this is a switch back on the mountain or Mm -hmm. this is the, you know, rubbing the dog tip to tail or whatever, you know, like there's little (laughs) things that she has that, that now we all understand. And that's our parlance. And that's where we say like, okay, this is that. So you let know? me ask you this, and I know, Rainu, I'm such a hog. I always am a hog. <laughs> you know, you just got to jump in, girl. Just jump in. But I am I know you and I have talked a lot about being a female leader in the tech space. And I would be curious for the both of you, as you have started having this environment that really is very flat, you do have to call people on their BS. Has that been difficult for you? Did you find a lot of resistance on the back end, whether it be internally or with clients? I don't think that I don't think that there's been any resistance outside of my own head. (laughs) I've been my biggest enemy in that respect. Um, And I I don't know if that's just the way that I'm wired. I don't know if that's because I'm a woman and I've been socialized into certain behaviors of, oh, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be mean. Um, But the thing that I struggled with the most was, oh, is this person going to hate me if I say this thing? There's a a need to be liked. That is, I think a lot of people can relate to that. But um, I think especially for women in tech, there's a fear of making waves because your position doesn't feel so secure in general. There aren't a lot of us out there. Um, so there's a certain amount of, I think, vulnerability that just comes with it. But the good thing is that I do have a lot of people, both men and women, at Center Source and outside of Center Source that I can process these conflicts with beforehand and just kind of be like, am I being crazy? Is right. this totally irrational? What is this? Um, 
and people helping me really just see like the actual hard evidence of the situation. And it allows that allows me to remove my emotion from it. Just say, okay, actually, this is a very like this is a concrete problem. And these are the ways that I think we can solve it. And are you cool with that? Okay, great. Uh, But it's taken a lot of work for me personally to get to that point. I can totally relate with that. I was just thinking like how many guys would ever go home and say, Am I crazy? Like is this idea <laughs> Am I just silly? Am I just being a girl? I mean I say that all the time. And it usually we don't even have to justify it. But mm-hmm. for some reason we always feel like we have to come up with some reason why we're we're feeling or responding the way that we're, we're I always responding. throw up a pre qualifier. Like I know this is gonna sound crazy, but whatever, whatever, whatever. And if my husband says, yeah, that is a little crazy, I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> I already told you it might sound crazy. Are you calling me crazy? And he's like, well, now you do. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the things about that, like the principles of, they call them teal organizations, like organizations mm-hmm. where, you, where you don't have to be, you can bring your whole self to work. You can mm-hmm. bring your vulnerability, your intuition you can bring. Because, I mean, I, I there are people, and Tommy included, whose intuition I rely on as a business tool for Center Source. And that's not weird. Right. Yeah. That is absolutely real. And I think in traditional business, you're told, like, be you, you're supposed to bring your aggression and your logic and your all this stuff and emotions are kind of bad but actually we've we've run a company really successfully using intuition as just as a valid Mm -hmm. tool as and and vulnerability as Mm -hmm. a tool Mm -hmm. you know that's one thing that the pyramid structure um is endemic to like the person at the top has the answers and they are you know no better well you know part of it is saying like i don't know about this and i do mm-hmm. trust this person this person has orientation to that and that person is the best person to speak into this decision mm-hmm. or i need to synthesize information from multiple people in order to have all the data like these kind of feminine traditional feminine qualities of i just have a feeling that we're going to get in trouble if we do this or i have a feeling that this isn't going to be a good client for us or mm-hmm. we just have that intuition and that's such a great business tool it's such a great yeah. barometer. I had this weird experience. We're kind of taking this a very different direction than <laughs> what we kind of planned, but I had this really weird experience yesterday. I was at um, a client, and they were having a company meeting, and I hadn't been out there in quite some time. So I hadn't really been in that sort of space with all of the employees. I think the company is, I don't know, pushing close to 40 or 45. And it was interesting because... The vibe was strange. Like I felt this sort of energy that wasn't necessarily just over the moon happy. Mm. It was like I can't quite put my finger, but something, something's here and I'm, I need to kind of figure it out. And trying to communicate that to an executive saying, you know, the energy was a little weird in that room. He's like, what does that mean? I'm like, you know, the energy, like it just didn't feel whatever. But it's palatable. Mm-hmm. I think being able to say that, like, I think what we've created is a safe space to say stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I don't know why, but this just feels weird to me, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And some people might like, and we'll say that, like, this feels like a BS meeting. Like, why are we here? Why are we all sitting around this table? <laughs> or we're not talking about anything. And some people oh, might be, be like, such a great moment, you know, and some people get a little offended. And some people are like, I totally agree with you. 
And it's just that openness around. Yeah, I mean, even the parlance of, yeah. of what they what they say is everyone in the company is a sensor, and mm-hmm. all the sensors drive information out into you know that's useful to the company. So like we're supposed to be sensing, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's what we're supposed to be doing. That's yeah. our directive to have a healthy place to work. So. It's kind of it's kind of feels it's pretty heady sometimes when you get into like mm-hmm. what you can bring it's wholeness you know they talk oh, about it is, it. yeah <laughs> they talk about wholeness and that you can bring your whole self to work and all that stuff that's a thing that's a tenet of a teal organization it's self management wholeness and I can't remember the other one but I, I mean they actually explicitly say like these are the these are the pillars of these types of mm-hmm. organizations and it seems so weird to be running a tech company that's so like male dominated and logical and you know that kind of stuff this way but it works in this really weird way because we're used to oh it's iterative mm, yeah <laughs> and that's also really um so applicable yeah it's so it's so understandable to our developers who say like oh yeah this makes sense let's just do the best we can now and then we'll know how to make it better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah. so for women who are maybe uh earlier in their career trying to figure out their voice and, and figure out how to start having those conversations and start really being them their whole selves in in their careers um how do you think that they can best develop that or do you have any like remembrances of going through that yourself and and or like your triumphs and struggles getting to where you are now in terms of developing your voice and brand Mm, I think it's that's a tricky question because I I think it could be really, really powerful in a certain situation, and it could totally backfire on you in another situation. It just depends on who you're working with and who you're working for um, and basically what they expect from you as a woman in tech. Um, I have a really overwhelming personality, and so I don't know if I've ever needed to develop my personal brand because it was kind of stamped on me the second I came into the world. (laughs) You know, it was like the Tomy show at all times. (laughs) So um, I think that it I've just been lucky and that it has always worked to my advantage. And I mean, that's the thing that got me hired over and over and over again is that I would walk in and I would just kind of charm people into thinking like, ah, she's great. We should hire her and we can teach her the rest. It's okay. Um, And that's been true in almost every single job apart from working at my family restaurant. (laughs) That was more conscripted labor. Um, (laughs) So I think, I mean, I will, I will be honest with you attending um, Girl Geek Dinner. That was, that's really powerful. It's something that I didn't really realize it's something that I thought like oh this will be fun but it'll just kind of be like a nice to do and then I walked in and it was so powerful to be in a room full of women talking about technology and there was something very um edifying about that experience that's awesome yeah it was great sharing that absolutely and I think that's something that um in a lot of different instances I've I've experienced that with you know surrounding myself with other Asian Americans and just being like I don't really need oh my god I'm home you know (laughs) it's amazing um so I think finding um a group or a, a unit of people that are that you really deeply identify with in both you know socioeconomic ways, racial, ethnic ways, whatever, professional ways, that's incredibly powerful. For sure. I think I, I hear what you're saying completely. I think finding people who get you. Yeah. Oh, that makes such a difference. You know, because I feel like I was, I've always had the ability to contribute at this level, I think, 
but I was never able to do it. So like my first, this is like, and going back to Jen, but like Jen has a system where she helps you to understand the system that is work and how to navigate that system. That stuff is so powerful because before that I was running into walls. I had still had great ideas and I still had the ability to do all this stuff, but I wasn't getting in the room Mm -hmm. and I wasn't getting listened to. That's so fantastic. And, and I, I didn't know that I could run a company until one was just handed to me. And then really smart people that I respect that get me were like, you look what you did. You did yeah. this. And I was like, holy crap, I'm running a company and I'm actually doing a pretty good job about it. And I went home and I was like, Adam. And he's like, yeah, of course you're running a company. Like, you're awesome. You're doing this. And I'm like, it took someone else to say that to me. And that's sad. And I do think that's part of that, you know, indoctrination of like, we're just kind of, you know, working around people who don't get us or who don't. Now I feel like so free to say my bad ideas because I know that it's a place where people will make them great ideas. Absolutely. And I, I think going back to even you, you bring it up, Girl Geek Dinner, I think since Renew has come on board, we, we certainly have continued to really expand on a lot of our programming, but foundationally, those are the reasons why we started this was to be able to create that place where people feel safe and where they can maybe learn from our experiences, you know, where we didn't maybe have that confidence, but there's no reason in hell that you shouldn't have that confidence. And here's how these are the people who are going to support you through that whole, whole journey. So I think that's awesome. And I think Just more women, encouraging. What the, another good thing that Girl Geek Dinner does is encourages more women at the table because there's certain, we're going to, keep bumping up against it until there are just more of us Mm -hmm. you know we're taking over the world yeah it's a really interesting time (laughs) isn't it you know it is i I, i'm excited Mm -hmm. i feel like you know there's just been some really interesting momentum you know over the last couple of years and especially here in nashville which i think has been a it's been a a process for me acclimating to nashville in the tech scene it's very different than the west coast and specifically portland um, so I'm, I'm excited to see. It's interesting, like when we first embarked on this like flat structure, this holacracy, one of the things they call it at the beginning is turning the lights on. Because before in your little silo, you were protected from some what could be scary information, mm-hmm. you know, about your situation. And they, they call the first part of the process turning the lights on. Yeah. And it freaks a lot of people out. And we all freaked out, I think, you know, on our own different in our own different ways. And that's what it feels like now, like on a macro level. And this is, is that the lights are coming on and yep. we're seeing all the ugliness. It's better to see the truth because then you can do something about it. Yeah. But it's in our faces right now and it feels it doesn't feel good. Yeah. What do you think we could be doing better as a community, whether it's Girl Geek Dinner, you know, or just across the country? Do you feel like there's some things that we could be doing better as women, supporting women and not just playing victim because we are a woman and responding to the market. I think advocacy is really important. I think uh, social media is an incredibly powerful tool right at everyone's fingertips. And you can call it slacktivism if you want to. But, you know, Facebook, Twitter, what have you, that's a platform. And I think that if you can find the thing that, I mean, it's, you know what, it's extra time, it's extra effort, but if there's something that's really important to you, advocate for it. Um, And I think something like getting more women, more young girls trained into being developers, trained into the sciences, welcoming them into the, you know, into math, that kind of thing, 
uh, that is something that needs to happen at a, you know, a governmental level. And so I think that if you find the candidates that, you know, that's part of their platform, you vote for them. If you find programs that need funding, you advocate for those things. Um, and it's maybe that's my West Coast <laughs> roots coming out. But I think that's really important. Raise your voice, raise your fist, raise what you got and, you know, speak up, make something happen. Um, there's no time ever, like the present. Do you ever feel, though, that sometimes when people take that approach, it kind of negates the whole purpose behind it? Like, I feel like sometimes there's different platforms that I see, like, because Rainey and I talk about this a lot, because there's certain things that she'll bring to the table and say, well, what do you think about this? And my first response is like, I, I'm not sure. I'm not. That might be a little like, is it harpyism maybe that you're reacting to? Yeah, maybe. And just is it a platform that really is setting a foundation of good and being a strong role model? Or is it setting a platform that says, I'm tired of like people getting on my case about this or being mm-hmm. a woman and maybe just not necessarily having the approach that I would take. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like I'm, I want to be more of an example. I don't need to be, I don't know. I'm trying to be so politically well, appropriate. I think what's interesting that we're seeing now about this recent little boost of feminism that wasn't true, like in the seventies and other times is that men are participating in it. Yeah. Yes. And I think with it's not just a us against them thing. Yeah. Men are our, our, a really important tool. Our colleagues are men who are raised by feminists. Our yeah. colleagues <laughs> you know? have our ba- I mean, and that's what people, I mean, you know, because, I mean, Center Source has had a reputation for being, like, you know, kind of exemplifying the bro thing, the bro right. culture, that very, like, masculine, very, like, bravado kind of thing. And people have, you know, feminist friends of mine have said, like, how do you stand it? And I'm like, everybody there is awesome. Mm-hmm. And they respect me and they, you know what I mean? It doesn't, it didn't feel like that on a human-to-human level because every single woman that works at Center Source is super amazing. And yeah. we all, you know, definitely mm-hmm. support each other in a different mm-hmm. way, but the guys that we work with support us too and yeah. it's it's just not a thing we we just support each other so i think having men involved in it is part of the solution but i also i have two little girls i have a two-year-old and a five-year-old and it gets in early that the guy is the doctor and the and the woman is the nurse and that the guy is the pilot and the woman is the flight attendant those things are in the books that they read right and i think until they see women in that are working successfully in technology they have to see them firsthand and i think like stem high schools like stratford have mm-hmm. great programs where they're bringing people from the community yep. in and like there needs to be more women and there needs to be more people of color and there needs to be like yeah we need to show those kids that this is yeah. It can be you, you know, because it's not like, an exception to the rule. I actually Correct. think I might have been a pretty great developer, but I never thought that that was me mm-hmm. because all of my dad's computer buddies were guys. You yep. know? Yeah, it's interesting. My mom uh, is she's retired now, but she was a, a scientist for many years at Oregon Health Sciences University. And she was crestfallen when I was like, I don't really like science. And I just kind of gave up on it because it was hard. And I didn't (laughs) realize until so much. I mean, I was 17, you know, I thought I knew everything, whatever. And it wasn't until I got so much older that it was like, it wasn't just about like my mom being, being disappointed in something I did as a teenager. It was about her wanting another woman entering the sciences, you know, and, and owning, owning another place in that that forum so I've, I've talked about this before with some people at NSS and when I get asked about 
how I ended up being a dev. And the thing that I keep saying is that in my mind, there was a separation between being Google smart and just being regular smart. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that there, that barrier of this is what makes a developer or it doesn't that barrier of you have to be exceptionally smart and be able to do algorithms in your head on point. Like it was your, you know, well, one day it will be your job, but you can have Google for that too. Um, I think that that barrier for women has to has to dis- dissipate somewhat mm. in order for there to be a be- better pipeline of women coming up through education and into technology. Yeah, I work. So I don't know. I've told you guys that we're screening that documentary called Code. Right. We're going to do it here at the EC at, at on December 6th at 6 p.m. And it's it's called debugging the gender gap in technology. You know, so it's like that you know the premise is pretty hopeful that this is a group of people who knows how to solve problems like this that mm-hmm. we can get we can get at it pretty quickly with using the methodologies of our discipline right so i think it's pretty interesting and i can't wait for it and it's going to be awesome we'll definitely be promoting it and pushing it cuz yeah the Great. ladies of center source were all like watching the trailer and like i think we all cried <laughs> i think we were all immediately just like we have to I was like, we, we have, have to, to organize this. a screening for this in Nashville. We have to own this because, I mean, we're almost 50% women. We are now. We are 50% mm-hmm. women. And, I mean, that is something that I I just I relish every day that I walk in. And it's like I work with so many intelligent, brilliant people. And when I look around, it's like, and half of us are ladies and that's pretty badass. That is pretty badass. <laughs> and yesterday yes. was Ada Loveless Day. I wasn't. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's a long history of, of women being mm-hmm. developers and programmers yeah. and the first programs being written by women. Yeah. Grace Hopper, Ada Lovelace, et cetera. And um, wasn't um, Hedy Lamar? Mm-hmm. She was also, a de- which I just love because I love old movies. And then I found out years later that, oh, also. <laughs> I felt so close to naming Hollis after her. Really? Mm-hmm. Lamar. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little thing. So, um, tell me, tell us a little bit about Nashville User Experience Group. So, what inspired you to start that? So, I didn't start it. Oh, but you didn't? I, okay. I inherited it. Gotcha. Um, actually, this is something that Anne brought to to the table for us. Um, so, Jeff Aldley was running it out of the Emma Bistro right. for years. Okay. Yeah. And Lori Kalmanson. Yeah, and Lori Kalmanson and... Um, they, you know, it's exhausting. It takes a lot of time and energy. And so I think they, they were all sort of ready to pass the baton on. And Anne saw that opportunity and brought it to Center Source and said, I think this is something that, that we need to, to run. Um, and so Anne and John Arnold, a former colleague of ours, and I kind of stepped up to the plate and started organizing the programming. And um, it's evolved. This was... You've grown it. like Yeah. I mean, this is like two years ago. Maybe mm-hmm. we took it over. And so I don't know what our numbers were then, but we're over a thousand members now, which is wow. really awesome. It was like 200, which we thought was really awesome that there were 200 UX practitioners yeah. in town. Yeah. That's we're over she's a thousand. Yeah. And it's pretty awesome. And I think, thank you. It's something I don't really realize is an accomplishment, but it totally is. It's amazing. Um, and I have a lot of great support and help. I work with a lot of really brilliant UX practitioners in town. Um, so there's about six or seven co-organizers. Um, and it does take an army because uh, yes. it's a lot of work. And, you know, every month is kind of a high commitment. But the thing that I feel most proud of is the programming of the UX meetup because it is such a 
for some people, it's such an established discipline. And for some people, it kind of means it's just like a grab bag term. For some people, they think they want to get into it, but they don't know what it is. And so it's how do you program the content in such a way that we're constantly going to be drawing from all avenues and, you know, types of participants. Um, And I think we've done a really fantastic job. We've actually proposed a session for bar camp for this weekend. Um, And we're going to be talking about if we get picked, uh, we're going to be talking about how we've applied UX practices to running our UX meetup. So it's basically that's cool. What kind of hands-on activities can we do? What kind of feedback loops do we want? You know, Um, so it's been really fascinating. And I've certainly been, I feel a little bit like, uh, I always kind of hang out in the background or, you know, a little bit like a stage mom maybe with the meetup. (laughs) Um, But I really love watching people's faces light up when something really brilliant is shared with them in the middle of a presentation. Um, we have some really just killer participants that just love to ask great questions and the conversation starts flowing. Um, and one thing that I am always sort of keyed into is there are a lot of people who kind of show up and you can tell they want to say something, but they don't. So it's kind of like creating democracy of conversation and um, welcoming everybody to, to speak up, man or woman. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been great. And I don't I, I kind of can't imagine not doing it. Um, it's a lot of fun. I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. It kind of just becomes a part of your soul. Yeah. It is a lot of work. It's an incredible amount of work. And but I gotta be honest, I love great. saying to people like, oh, and I run a couple tech meetups in town. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do last week? Exactly. <laughs> I can relate to that a little bit. Oh, I think we're so similar. I know. <laughs> well, you kind of touched on something that um, I... I think is really interesting, and you might have an interesting perspective on this coming from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I found coming here, when you think about some of the particular functional areas like UI, UX, product management, there's a couple of sort of core positions where this may sound not appropriate, but like I just felt like the level of experience here was very marginal mm. compared to the kind of folks that I was working with, say, particularly in Portland or New York, obviously down in San Francisco. And I feel like UI, and if you start thinking about UX and just UX principles, that people here are starting to understand maybe more what that means. Mm. And I'm curious, just kind of what your observation has been, especially now running the organization, are you finding that people are starting to understand like the difference between the two and incorporating some of those best practices more effectively? So this is really interesting because this is something we've been talking about a lot. We have had so many fantastic client conversations recently around our front end and our UI work that we do. I mean, I I truly believe that we have some of the best front-end designers and UI designers in town. And coming from, so I moved here from New York, and uh, I definitely worked with a lot of really great designers, and I worked with a UX specialist, and they were absolutely talented. They could absolutely do the job, but there wasn't the same level of investment and consultation that I see with the people that we work with at Center Source. Um, there is such a higher level of thinking that goes into the button styling. You know, I think the way that Joe or Jimmy can break down the look of a thing and the interface of a thing and really understanding the workflow and the process that needs to happen for the user. 
and just the the level of care that goes into it I've not actually seen that before that's interesting yeah. I love that yeah when you were talking I was thinking um, you know the scenes even like a music scene or an art scene the scenes that work are the ones where people get together and collaborate right? right they're not the ones where people are like i'm gonna make my music over here and you guys suck right and gonna, you know <laughs> yeah like the, the ones that where people work together you know and that's why i think things like bar camp things like the meetups things like these hackathons can really be actually healthy for a community because it's knowledge transfer and it's different it's experience transfer and so i think we've done a good job of you know for all of the faults of nashville the thing that struck me about the business community here is that it is collaborative and that can be our superpower if we if we leverage it right you know we we should have a really great product scene and i think it's evolving it's getting better i mean even in the last couple of years Mm -hmm. it's been really exciting to see just the level of sophistication around how people approach that work Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think that's how we that's how we level up level up (laughs) How do you um, how do you see the difference between UI and UX? Oh, good question. Uh, so I think of user experience as being the map, and I think of the user interface as being the road that you drive down. Yeah. So UX is kind of like you start at point A and you need to get to point B. So here's all of the states that you're going to drive through, and then the user interface is you know. Highway 66. What advice do you give young people? And I use young kind of loosely. Maybe it's just somebody starting out their career or, say, coming out of Nashville Software School or some other sort of program. It's tough to get that first job in a UX kind of position. What advice would you give someone that is really trying to make that transition kind of hitting their heads against a wall and they just so desperately want it? They have great experience, but they don't have practical experience. So something that I heard Anne say when I first started working at Center Source, we were going over to the Belmont Entrepreneurial School. Oh, yeah. And someone asked you for some advice, and this stuck with me, and you said, apprentice wisely and find a mentor. Like, be wise about your free time because you might not get paid for that first chunk of work that you do. So really be very strategic about who you reach out to. And that's something that I, I've used over and over and over again uh, because I think there's one of the things that I think is so true in professional development is that if someone's already worked with you, the chances of them yes. hiring you later on are so much greater. So be strategic about who you give free work to. And, you know, maybe you take a couple hits up front and you just say, you know what, let me go build that thing for you and just see if you like my work. Uh, Because honestly, with tech, that's the proof, right? It's the it's the thing that you produce. Your process can be improved. I can teach you our best practices. That's no problem. But like, I at least want to know what is just take your best shot and let me see where your instincts are. So maybe as a next step to that, you know, if somebody was willing to kind of apprentice or offer up their time like how would how would you recommend they structure that sort of a relationship or to be able to get that work are you suggesting just like going in and shadowing someone or is it them coming to the table and saying hey Tommy, I want to do x Mm. you know I've got this idea for a project and then you just kind of help facilitate that or that's one way do your own project you know everybody has a 
an idea. Mm-hmm. You know, I think like it's funny. My husband and I like launch ideas all the time, or you know, have ideas of things. You could make your own interface. You you could do that. I mean, yeah. Or you could find someone to mentor under. Or I think what you were saying is almost like find free work that you yeah. can do where someone would really appreciate it and build your portfolio. Yeah, okay. find a find a project, and that's also good experiences selling your self you know mm-hmm. right selling your services yep great well i have one um question kind of for you Anne, because one of the things i've always been just so impressed about with you specifically is just when you're such a kind person and have such a big heart i think you do so much that's geared towards the community which is important to me as well but like you're everywhere You know, you're involved in so many different kinds of organizations and really at levels where people respect your opinion. And I think that's one thing that I really want to help shape people that come to Girl Geek Dinner is to really start to understand how to use that leverage and being that voice in the community that people want to go to and be heard. How have you been able to sort of navigate that? Well, thank you. That is very nice of you to say that. I don't know. I'm flattered. I don't even know how to. I don't know. I feel like I fell flat a lot before I was, you know, I feel like um, it's hard. I'm not coming up with anything. Um, Do you feel like was part of it just like being in the right place at the right time? Was it being really active, you know, like at the Nashville Technology Council? Well, I moved or, to town and didn't know a soul yeah. in 2000. Five, I guess I moved right here before the flood, right before the flood um, and didn't know a person and was starting a business. I do not recommend that. That was kind of a like rookie move. That was really hard. I put myself in a really hard position, but I thought I'm just going to go and start showing up places and hanging out and, you know, people and getting coffee with people. And then they introduced me to other people and it just sort of happened. That's kind of how I did it is I just put myself out there. Mm-hmm. And so this is what we're doing. We're making mobile apps, you know, and they're like, oh, cool. You should meet this person or that person. And that is one thing I will say about Nashville is like I walked in here and didn't know a person and people opened their Rolodexes to me. People brought me on opportunities. Once that they started to trust that I could deliver stuff, then I started getting, you know, it's just it's earning and. But I also rem- always remember the people who were nice to me when I was nobody and I couldn't yeah. do anything for anybody, yep. you know, and kind of vice versa. And it's not that I wouldn't do business with those people. I would just I just know who mm-hmm. they are, you know. But overwhelmingly, people were so welcoming, you know, to to me. And like I felt like us as we had a, a company that was new and no one knew who we were. And it was really tough going for a while. Right. But I think it's just um do your thing and get known for your thing and then you'll get asked to do more of your thing and then it just kind of you know it's that's that I guess would be the only thing I could come up with yeah that's awesome thank you guys so much for being here with us today thank you this is such a pleasure (laughs) this This is really fun thank you you're welcome and thank you for doing what you do I feel like this real conversation this real level of conversation that you guys are bringing to the community is so important in moving us forward thank you absolutely I know it's a labor of love so I appreciate it thank you we admire you guys we admire you guys we just love each other (laughs) (laughs) all right 
Thank you so much for tuning in to Nashville Girl Geek Dinner Podcast. To learn about future Girl Geek Dinner events and for more stories like this, make sure to follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our email list for notification of events. This interview was recorded at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center with special thanks for our producer, Clark Buckner, and audio engineer, Jess Gromit. Until next time, stay intentional and curious about your passion. Your story just might end up here.